It's to be here this week. I certainly appreciate the preacher giving me the chance, and I don't even mind being second choice. Uh, I am very glad that God has allowed us to be here. This has been a real treat for us. Uh, many years ago, uh, I too was at a uh, meeting where we were talking about church planning, and your preacher came and, and talked about his great burden for New York and and where he wanted to go, where he could gather up all kinds of different people and and uh, God could put them into a church. And, and then all these years later, actually come and see it, it's... Uh, it's a thrill. I, I cannot tell you how uh, excited we are. And uh, my wife doesn't always travel for with me because she is the uh, office uh, manager for the Global Independent Baptist Missions. In other words, she does all the work at the missions office, and I go around and brag about it and get credit. That's the way it works at our house. She does the work, and I uh, get all the credit. And uh, she seems to be okay with that uh, most of the time. Uh, uh, <laughs> but we do enjoy each other. We've been married 41 years, and we have a great relationship. Uh, and uh, we've had uh, our children have been grown for a long time. Uh, we got married very, very early, and in our life. And I don't recommend that to a lot of people, but it sure has worked well for us. We've kind of grown up together. And uh, she tells me all the time, if I don't like the way she turned out, it's my fault because I raised her. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so. But we are really, really excited about being here and a joy to uh, be blessed. And uh, God just continues to bless us. It's so exciting. Brother Parks introduced me to a couple that are, that's here today that are members of a church I preached in a couple weeks ago in Korea. Uh, and uh, what a joy that is. And I, I'm excited about uh, being able to just see God work all over the world and do the things that uh, God does. And uh, I'm so glad the gospel is not exclusive to America. Aren't you glad of that? I'm glad God wants to win people everywhere uh, uh, for the cause of Christ. Now, if you would this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 and stand with me. I'm going to read a few verses starting in verse 25 and get right into the message this morning uh, because I have a tendency to preach too long and I don't want to keep you a long time this morning, uh, but I do have some things that I believe God would have me say. Uh, and this, of course, is Sunday morning service, uh, and uh, there's no greater time to be in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. Aren't you glad God established the Lord's day? That we can come aside and just love Him and sing about Him and praise Him and give and preach and, and just have a day that belongs to God. What a great opportunity uh, that is for us. And I, I am so thankful that God allows us to have such a thing. Now, in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 25... The Bible says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep. By the way, he wasn't supposed to be asleep. Prison guards weren't supposed to be asleep. And so he's in big trouble, and he knows that. And he seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Notice Paul speaking for all the prisoners. Does that tell you something about what Paul's been doing while he's in prison? <laughs> he hasn't just been sitting around. He's been talking to these people, obviously, through the walls. You can speak for them. 
Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you this morning. We're so thankful that that's still true today. Uh, that we can still be saved. We can still accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. All over the world today, the gospel's being preached. Thousands, we trust thousands and thousands of people will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today. What a, what a great privilege it is. Uh, I have been praying much today for my daughter and son-in-law who started this brand new church in, in Argentina, uh, that they too would have someone that would receive Christ as their Savior uh, today. And Lord, we are so thankful for the privilege uh, that we have to preach your precious word and, and share the gospel that others might be saved. We pray you be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, again, thank you for standing for the reading and the praying this morning. Now, Paul and Silas is in the city of Philippi. And uh, they're preaching the Word of God like they always did. If you ever wanted to know where Paul was, you just go find somebody preaching, and that's where Paul is. He's just always preaching. And normally when he went into a city, he didn't go out and check out the Hilton, Air, uh, the Hilton Motel. He usually went and checked out the jail because that's where he was going to be before it was over with. Uh, because they just didn't like what he had to say. So the Apostle Paul and Silas is going through the city of Philippi, and there's a girl that's following them. And she's making fun of them. She's laughing at them. Ah, oh, the men of God. You think they're really the men of God? <laughs> you know, and you know, Apostle Paul was a very patient man, but he had about all he could take of this. And I'm telling you, even the preacher gets tired of some things. And so, are y'all, come on now. And, and so he turned to this young lady and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, he cast out the demon that was in her that caused her to be a fortune teller and to make the people that owned her much money. Now, these people that owned her got very, very upset. Uh, I tell you, you start messing with people's money and they always get mad. And so they realized they weren't going to be able to make any more money off of this girl. And so they got very angry, called for the officials, and they had Paul and Silas arrested. Now, they took Paul and Silas and they beat them with a whip. They gave them 39 stripes, which was the common thing of the day. And they beat them. Uh, and they took them and they cast them into prison with the intention of bringing them up on charges uh, the next day. They intended to have them killed. Their idea was, we're going to destroy this man uh, for what he's done. And so uh, they take him, they beat them, they cast him into prison, and they fast him to the floor. Uh, understanding in those days, they didn't care how cruel they were to people. They took them and they put chains around their hands and around their feet, and they chained them to the floor. That's where they were. And they're in there long about midnight. Now, I realize uh, that we live in a different culture and we live in a different world. But I wonder how you'd respond and I would respond if I was laying there on a cold floor, chained and beaten and bleeding. I wonder how we would respond. I thought to myself, you know, I know exactly how I would respond. I'd whine and cry. Say, God, why'd you do this to me? And you would too. Oh, you wouldn't? <laughs> sure we would. But you know, that's not what Paul and Silas did. 
While they're chained to the floor, obviously they're talking through the wall to all of the other prisoners. And they're telling them what a great God they have. Now I'm going to tell you, people would really listen to you about how great you God is if you're serving Him in the midst of great trials. People will believe. And so He's doing that and all of a sudden about midnight, they begin to sing and praise God. They're singing joyous music and praising God at midnight after they've been beaten, after they've been chained down, after they've been uh, in this terrible situation. They're praising God. That's exciting stuff. So the Bible says God heard their praise and he sent an earthquake. And he sent this earthquake in order to free them. And so the earthquake came, the chains broke off of their hands and their feet, the doors all sprang open, and the Philippian jailer wakes up. And when he wakes up, he realized he was asleep, and all of the prisoners were probably gone, and so he was going to save the king a lot of trouble and just go ahead and kill himself, because that's what was going to happen to him as soon as they found out what went on. And so he drew his sword uh, to kill himself. And I'm going to just ask you this question. Paul's back in the middle of the jail. He's laying on the floor, by now probably setting up. He's back in a, a cold, dark, dungeon-looking place. How do you know the guy was going to kill himself? Y'all ever think about these kind of things when you read this story? There's only one way Paul could have known what was going on, and that's God revealed it to him. God had to tell him, say something now. I'm telling you right now, many times in my life, God has said, say something now. Many occasions in my life, God has said, talk to them now. I had no intentions of talking to them, but I talked to them now because that's what God said. So Paul cries out and he said, do thyself no harm. We're all here. I assure you this morning, this Philippian jailer was very surprised that they were all still there. Normally, uh, it's been my uh, understanding, if you open all the doors, the prisoners are going to run. I don't know that they'd just stick around and see what happens next. Most of them would run. They did not go away. They stayed. And when this Philippian jailer realized that they had stayed, he knew something great was going on. He knew God had intervened. Amen. Now, I want to make sure we understand this this morning. God always has something bigger going on than me and you. Come on, say amen. Paul and Silas has been beaten. They're in jail. They're not in jail because that's where they deserve to be. They're not in jail because they got what they deserve. They're in jail because God had a Philippian jailer that needed saved. And that's the only way he could get to him was put them in that spot so they could win him to Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you, uh, Brother, uh, Brother uh, Benjamin Park he gave his testimony this morning. Can I just tell you God's put Brother Benjamin Park in the position he is to go back to Korea because there's a bigger story going on. There's a bigger picture going on than Benjamin Park. He's going to go back over there and only God knows what he's going to do. He might win the D.L. Moody of Korea to Jesus Christ. He might be able to win the Apostle Peter of Korea to Jesus Christ. He may start church after church after church that God calls young men and young women out to go and win the whole country to Jesus Christ. God has something big going on. And we are so narrow-minded and so short-sighted we don't see all that God's doing. So this Philippian jailer realized something uh, miraculous had gone on. So he went in, and notice now, he brought Paul and Silas out. This place that they were in was so bad, he didn't want to be in there. So he brought them out. He fell down in front of them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
Now, can I tell you that is the primary question of every man, woman, boy, and girl in, a, in the whole wide world? Everybody wants to know, how do I get to heaven? And there's all kinds of many, uh, many answers out there of how somebody gets to heaven. Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Is there? And these definitions are flying everywhere. Exactly what do we do? Is there life after death? Do we know that we can know that we know that we're on our way to heaven? What about life after death? You suppose anybody in the world is worried about that today? Come on, you know they are. I never went to church in my entire life before I got saved, but that's all I ever thought about. So what happens if I die? What happens if, for some reason, I'm not breathing anymore? What then? Is there really life after death? Am I really going to stand and answer for what I do? And so this man, this Philippian jailer, he fell on his face before Paul and Silas, and he said to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. Now, he's not falling in front of them because he believes they're God. He just believes they have the answer. And folks, I'm telling you, they did have the answer. Amen? And this was the answer. And folks, I want you to know today, it's still the answer today. The answer has not changed, not one ounce, uh, since the time Paul said it. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in on, believe on, not in, on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And when you get saved, the door will open for your whole house to get saved. Now, I tell you, that's exactly what happened in my life. I told you when I got saved uh, uh, the other night, when I, the first night I was here, I told you my testimony. But I didn't tell you about my whole house. My whole house got saved. I have four brothers. My two older brothers got saved. My younger brother was off in the Navy. My other brother got saved down in Kilgore right after I got saved. And my younger brother was off in the Navy uh, when we all got saved. Now, I want you to think about this, and I'm not saying this for any other reason but uh, illustration. When my little brother went to the Navy, myself, my two older brothers were all a member of the Hells Angels of Dallas. When he come back, we're all deacons in the church. I just tell you, he didn't know what to do. He was totally confused. Well, he was a real family guy and he loved the family and so he started going to church. He started working on the bus because that's what you do. You just, every new person that comes in that's never worked on the bus, that's the job they get because nobody wants it. And so uh, he starts working on the bus. He meets this young lady in the church and they get married and, and uh, man, they're just doing wonderful. Well, by now God's called me to preach and I'm up in, uh, in Bible college and my wife and I came home one weekend uh, uh, just to visit the family and to visit her parents and, and so on. And so we were over at my brother's house and, and my little brother and his new wife came and uh, we're all sitting around talking. We, we just love to talk. You know, we were one of these kind of families that sat around the kitchen table. That's the way they do it in Texas. If you don't have a kitchen table, you can't fellowship with your family. Uh, and we sat around the table and we're talking and we're uh, drinking coffee. And so we did that for a long time and decided we'd go into the living room because there were softer chairs because this had been an extended time. And so we're sitting around in the living room and, and we're talking about Jesus. I don't know what else families talk about. Uh, Jesus is all in all to us. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how you got saved and how uh, God did this in our life and how God that, did that in our life. And, and uh, uh, Baptist Bible College, uh, actually Seminole Baptist Church, had just began to put on a play. And I'm not big into plays, but we went and uh, we saw this play called Once to Die. Any of you ever... Seen that play? Awesome play. It's about a bunch of people on an airplane that cannot crash. 
It just cannot. It's a maiden voyage of, a, of the Titanic in the air, so to speak. And, uh, and so they're going through each one of these people's lives on this uh, uh, airplane. And this one lady on this airplane had a daughter. And she was a rebellious teenager. And apparently her dad had died without Jesus Christ. You're picking up this from the conversation. And she, uh, she told her mama, if my dad's in hell, that's where I want to go. Just made you go, uh. And so, as you well know, and this lady was winning people to Christ on the airplane. She was an awesome lady, by the way. And uh, uh, so all of this is going on. And finally, as you could guess, the airplane crashes. And all the people fall on the floor. The lights go out and all the noise. And all of a sudden, there's a light comes up from the balcony and comes down on all these people laying on the ground. They're all dead. And this voice comes along and says, Some of these are mine, Father. I'm just making the hair stand on the back of your neck. And he made them all rise. And he began to call these people out that belonged to him. And they began to leave and go to be with the Lord. And the rest of them are staying. And when he called this woman's name, this daughter let out this blood-curdling scream. And she said, Mother, don't leave me. When I got to that place in this story, my little brother just starts crying and falling on the ground. He said, I'm not saved and I don't want everybody to leave me. So I got to leave my little brother to Christ. What an awesome blessing. I'm telling you, if you'll love for the Lord Jesus Christ, God will give you opportunity. Now, God's not ever going to make anybody get saved. He's not going to make them. But I tell you, you can witness to them. And he'll give you the power to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, here's the problem today. A lot of people do not understand what that means. They think believing on the Lord Jesus Christ well means, well, I just acknowledge that there was a man by the name of Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. Can I just tell you uh, the devil believes that? The Bible says the devil believes and trembles. He knows there's a God. He's met him. He knows there's a Jesus Christ. He's seen him. He knows Jesus Christ died on the cross. He knows Jesus Christ uh, rose from the dead. He was involved in all of that as against it. I'm telling you the devil knows and trembles, but that does not make him saved. Now, our problem in our world is, is there's so many people that really do want to tell other people and they really do want to win people to Jesus Christ and they're confused. Uh, they think that salvation's all about a prayer. You don't have to say amen, I'll explain. I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. I want to make sure you get this. This is the difference between going to heaven and not going to heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, when you got saved, it was not about the prayer. Now, you didn't get saved without the prayer. Please don't misunderstand me. you got to pray. You hear me? You have to pray. But listen to what God says in Romans chapter 10. What a great passage of Scripture. Verse number 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, if that's the only verse we had, we could get a little bit confused. Because he says the prayer first and the believing second. But in the next verse, he explains it. Aren't you glad God explains himself? Come on, say amen. God doesn't leave us in the dark. He always, always explains himself. So in verse 10 he said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I want to make sure you understand what it means to be saved this morning. I want you to know what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, many people have got this totally confused, and they misunderstand, and therefore we've got a lot of unsaved people sitting in our churches today that think because they made a, a profession of faith, because they said a prayer, they're going to get to go to heaven. And that's not what God said. Right. Now, here's how it works. You ready? 
Come on, get your handkerchiefs out. I'm going to need some help here. This is awesome stuff. Or at least wave at me. Because there's nothing wrong with waving at the preacher. Thank you, sweetie. All right. Now listen. Here's what God said. The first thing that has to happen in order for you to go to heaven is you have to believe. Now what am I supposed to believe? Well, I'm supposed to believe that Jesus Christ is. Romans chapter, or Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, If you come to Him, you must believe that He is. There is none of this if Jesus is God, if this is all true, if. No, you got to believe that He is. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the great I Am. He is God incarnate. He is God Himself in the form of a man that was born of a virgin, came into this world, lived a perfect life, died on an old rugged cross for you, and He rose from the dead. That, my friends, is what Jesus Christ did. And so the Bible says you've got to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You've got to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is who He said He was, and He died on an old rugged cross for you, and that He will save you if you ask Him to, and now you're ready to ask Him. And I'm telling you, if you don't believe and all you do is ask, you didn't get saved. Here's how it works. This believing is how it worked in my life. The preacher preached. The Holy Spirit come and convicted my heart. And I believed. And I ran down to the altar because I believed. And I let that believing cause me to cry out and ask Jesus Christ to save me. That's how you get saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Come on, say amen. I get to preach a lot of youth camps. Thank God I, I yell at teenagers just like I yell at you. And you'd be surprised how many of them like it. And I preach at UCAMS. Where's Philip? Is he in here? He's downstairs. I needed him. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to find somebody else that can help me here. You'll help me, won't you? Come sit right here by my wife. I'll give you that great privilege. Sit right there by my wife. Now, I'm going to illustrate this to you. I hope you'll get it. I preach a lot of times at UCAMP. And uh, sometimes at UCAMP, kids don't pay attention. Come on, you know what I'm saying? They're sitting back in the back, or sometimes they're sitting right in front. They're not a bit worried about it. And they're playing and writing notes and giggling and hitting people. And I run back there and say, stop it, stop it. <laughs> so by the week goes by, they get further back. <laughs> but here's what happens. The Word of God is preached, and you can tell the Holy Spirit's moving. You can, do, you can tell, can't you? You can tell when God's moving among the crowds. And there's this young man here standing here, and he's looking at me, and he's watching me preach, and you can just see the conviction of the Holy Spirit on his face. He's listening to every word. He's sitting right on the edge of his chair, listening, paying attention, and you can see God working in his life, and you can see God beginning to help him believe, and you can see the faith growing in his heart. Come on, that's awesome. You can't believe how wonderful that is till you get to stand up here and watch it. It's incredible. And so the invitation is given. And this young man, who truly has understood and truly has believed, wants to go forward and get saved. Now he's sitting next to the kid that during the whole service has laughed and cut up. He's not paid a lick of attention to anything. He's one of these kids that's gone. During the whole service. Y'all not been in those? <laughs> They're very exciting. Well, this kid that hasn't paid a lick of attention during the whole service is sitting next to this kid who wants to be saved. So this kid's a little shy, so he grabs this kid, me, by the hand. 
He says, go forward with me. Would you go forward with me? Now, he is as serious as he can be. You with me? And so one of the... Are you all out there? So one of the workers comes to him and he says, Peter, what would you come for? And Peter says, I want to get saved. I believe I want to get saved. So Peter bows down over here on the altar and that worker leads Peter to Christ and he's miraculously born again. Woo, it's so exciting. Here's this other kid. He could care less. Are you listening? And so the worker comes to him and said, what you come for? He says, I don't know. You, they do this all the time, folks. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. I don't know. You know what I do when they say that? I say, go back and sit down until you do know. But that's not what most workers do. They say, well, wouldn't you want to get saved? Well, he's been at Bible camp all week. What's he going to say? No, I hate you. No, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, yeah, yeah, okay. So this guy goes over here and he bows and he says, now, repeat this prayer after me. And this kid that could care less says, Jesus saved me, I believe. And he walks up and that guy says, aren't you glad you're saved? That kid's no more saved than nothing. Are you listening? There's not, he is not saved. There's not one change comes in his life. He doesn't care anything about God. He doesn't care anything about church. And quite frankly, he's mad at him because he made him come. <laughs> but he goes back to the church. Now you got him on the spot. Come on, are you listening? We put him on the spot. Oh, you got saved. See, I got a little card from the counselors that he got saved. I said, did you get saved? Yeah, I guess. Now, I don't know what other preachers, but at that point, I said, you didn't get saved. Go sit down. But everybody don't do that. Many times, they'll go ahead and baptize him. He'll grow up in the church thinking he's saved. Sit there in the church and, and be upset about everything that comes on. Every time the preacher wants to spend the dollar, he says, wait a minute. He's not saved. We have a whole church full of people like that. Not me personally, but all over America, there's church members like that. Think they're saved and they're not saved. And you know why? Because they were told if they said this prayer, they get to go to heaven. And that is not true. You have to believe first and then say the prayer. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you think that because you said a prayer... You're going to get to go to heaven. You're going to fall right into Matthew chapter 7. Where Jesus said, In the last days there are going to be people come to me. And they're going to say, But Lord, didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this and didn't we do that? And here's what Jesus said. I never knew you. Because they never believed. They never believed. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, and we love to quote it. I quote it all the time. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Glory to his name. But don't leave verse 10 out. That is the context. Amen. They call upon the name of the Lord because they want to be saved. Thank you, Peter. I think you've been there long enough to get saved by now. <laughs> now, folks, I don't know what your testimony is, but I do know this. Whenever somebody gets up and preaches like I'm preaching to you this morning, if you're not saved, can I just tell you what the Holy Spirit's going to tell you? He's not going to come to you and say, are you sure? Are you, did you say the right? Did, no, that's not how God works. Are you, are you hearing me? God does not work that way. God is not the author of confusion. He is not going to confuse you. What He's going to do is come straight to you and say, you, go forward, get saved. And you're sitting there going, what? I already said that prayer. 
Are you hearing me? I have no way of knowing whether you're saved or not. I have no way of knowing my wife's saved. She acts like she is. She prays like she is. She loves the right guy. <laughs> but I don't know. She does. She knows she's saved. My wife don't know whether I'm saved or not. Quite frankly, she questions it all the time by the way I act. But I know I'm saved because I believed. And I repented of my sin and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. Now I want you to go back to our text in Romans chapter 10. Listen to this. How awesome is this? Now, isn't that a great message? That is the message, by the way. That's one Brother Park's going to go preach in Korea. That's the one our brother here is going to uh, go and preach in the Philippines. That's the one my children are preaching in Argentina right now as we speak. I'm telling you, this is the message. Jesus says, go tell everybody. But make sure they believe. Now listen to this. This is so good. Verse 13. Are you there? I want you to see this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. That reestablished what we just said. Now look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him? Of whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Without a preacher. Somebody's got to tell them. Now, folks, I've heard stories about people who decided, I'm going to pick up the Bible and just read it till I figure it out. And I've had people tell me that they've known somebody that did that. That's not how it normally works, can I just tell you this? That's not how it worked in my life. Some preacher told me. And notice what he says about the preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, do you get the program God has to get this message out? The message is uh, God wants to get out. You know, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he wants the message to get to everybody. And he's ordained a plan. And here's the plan. The church sends the preacher. That's the plan. Now, folks, we're not going to send somebody who is going to the mission field to be a doctor. Now, thank God for doctors that go. I'm not against that. But God didn't send them. Hello? The church sends a preacher. Amen. Let me tell you what Brother Parks is going to do when he gets there. Just like he did when we was down there, he's going to preach. I'm teaching him how to yell at them. <laughs> the Koreans responded to that, at least while I was there. I'm telling you, the preacher has to be sent. So the local church sends out a God-called man who's going to do the work of God. And the work of God is tell them how, what Jesus did for them. So they'll believe. And when they believe, they will cry out and get saved. The preacher's the one that's going to preach and tell them that. He's going to show them the Word of God. He's going to show them what Jesus Christ did. He's going to teach them who Jesus is and what Jesus did and how awesome and wonderful Jesus is. So this preacher's going to do that. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, don't send, don't ever send a missionary anywhere that's not called by God. Amen. And you know, God calls. The Bible says in Psalms 37, this is so awesome, listen to this. He said, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, that don't mean He'll give you what you want. It means He'll make you want what He wants. Amen. Have you ever had a missionary come into your church? I have this missionary friend of mine. He's a missionary to Haiti. Any of y'all want to volunteer to go to Haiti? I didn't think so. Me either. It is not a lovely place. It's not a place I want to go live. Uh, he was telling me a story about he was sleeping one night and he saw something crawling up the top of his uh, thatched roof. He said, I wonder what that is. He finally got a flashlight and get up there and it was a snake. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how you feel about snakes, but I'd have been on the next plane back to Miami. I'm telling you. And you know what he did? He got up in our church. <laughs> so wonderful. He's got a beautiful wife, and he has three beautiful little boys. And he stands up in front of our church weeping. Church, please help us. We want to go to Haiti. We just want to take the gospel to Haiti. And I'm sitting back there thinking, oh, God, please send him to Haiti and not me. Please. <laughs> you know what happened? He delighted himself in the Lord, and God made him want to do what he wanted him to do. He couldn't wait to get there. He couldn't wait for somebody to give him money to go to that awful place. Now that I come here, I see why Brother Montero wanted to come to New York. This is an awesome place. I could actually live here if y'all learn how to speak correctly. I could, I could live here. This is a great place. But I, I'm going to tell you, folks, when you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll put that desire in your heart and He'll send you anywhere and you'll love to be there. It'll be an awesome place to be. So God said, I'm going to call a preacher and then the church is going to send him and then notice this. He said, how shall they hear without a preacher? You have to go backwards in this to get it right. How are they going to hear unless a preacher preaches? And we're not going to send a guy down there to preach something besides the Word of God. Come on, say amen. We're not going to go down there and have him pull out the wrong Bible and do the wrong things and preach the wrong message. We want him to go and preach the message of salvation that's spoken of in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 13. That's the message. We don't want to send him down there to teach him how to be better farmers. We don't want to go down there and teach him how to uh, be prosperous. You know, there's a lot of this prosperity gospel. Now, you know, y'all know what that means? There's a lot of preachers. I was listening to one on TV this morning. And this is the basic message. If you, by faith, have put a $100 bill in the slot machine of faith, pull the handle, God will drop a 1000 out of the bottom. That's a lie. That is a lie. And you want me to tell you how funny that is to people in other countries? In Argentina, in the church my son started, he had about 150 people. He had two people owned a car. And it wasn't really what you would call a car. These people had nothing. So you go and tell them God's going to make them rich. That's a pretty bad message to preach to people in this kind of place who live in a cardboard house with a dirt floor and no electricity and no running water. It, that's not the message God wants preached. He wants them to believe so he can save their soul so they can go to heaven. So you've got to have a preacher. You've got to have a preacher with the right message. Notice what it says. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So what are we to do? We're to help them believe, said hear. So the preacher lets them hear. And when they hear, they believe. And when they believe, they get saved. Isn't that what it says? Now look what he said. <laughs> this is so good. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they call on him? Of whom they have not believed. Now, folks, the message is very simple, and yet people just can't seem to get it. Well, Americans not the only one that just don't get it. The rest of the world has to be taught it as well. You know, that's why Jesus Christ said, go and preach the word, go and teach the word, and go witness the word. Because it takes all three of those for many people to get saved. Now, I was blessed. First time I ever heard the gospel, I said, I want that, and I got saved. And the longer I've been in the ministry and the more times I've preached, I realize how strange that is. That just doesn't normally happen. I'm telling you, God said, I want you to believe in your heart 
and this belief causing you to cry out and ask Jesus to save you. And now you got to get involved in getting preachers everywhere so others can hear the great message. Isn't that awesome? Now, folks, I'll tell you. Here, here's the secret to faith promise. Are you, are, you hearing, are you listening to me? Here's the secret. You delight yourself in the Lord and he'll make you want to give. Can I just tell you I've never given one penny I didn't want to give? <laughs> Amen. And you know why I want to give? Because I love my Lord. You know, the preacher said much about repaying what all the other churches did to help you get established. And I, I'm glad he has that spirit, aren't, aren't you? I mean, that's a debt owed. I'm glad. But do you know if Jesus saved you, you have the same similar debt? Every person in here that knows Christ has a debt to persons that God brings into your path to share the gospel with them. How wonderful. And then he puts a debt on your life that I've got to get this preacher out here somewhere to get the gospel out. Now, isn't it amazing that missionaries take their wives, take their children, they're God-called preachers, they're ordained ministers, and they go to the far-flung corners of the world and preach the book. And every time, in whatever time period God chooses, people start getting saved, people start getting baptized, and churches get established. As soon as this church gets going, they have a desire to get another church going. And you know why? Because in the meantime, God's called some people out of that church to preach. And they need to go preach. So they go over here and start another church. And that church grows and God calls somebody to preach. And they go start another church and another church. And pretty soon the whole world, like America, has a church. I know that's not true in New York City, but in my town, we have a town of 150,000 people. And there is 47 churches. And less than 20% of the population go to one. We're still not getting the job done. We could have five times that many churches and it still wouldn't work. Are you listening? We've got to get the gospel out. You've got to get the gospel out. And the way he does it is through preachers. That you send, that you give so they can go. And it's because you have believed. Real believers get involved. I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This is so important this morning. Now let me ask you this question. Are you really saved? The Philippian jailer asked this question, what must I do to be saved? I have answered that biblically this morning. What must you do to be saved? You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with your heart. And this belief causes you to cry out and ask Jesus to save you. And when you are saved, now he says to you, you have a responsibility to let other people hear this exact same message by uh, either surrendering to preach or sending preachers so they can give the message so others can be saved. I want you to understand that's what missions is all about. Getting this glorious message around the world so people can become children of God. So they can receive Christ as their Savior. We're not going out there to argue with everybody else and all their religions. We're not going out there to discuss all of that. We're just going out there to tell them about Jesus and let the power of God convict them in their heart that they'll know what we're saying is true. So I asked you this morning, are you 100% sure that if you died today you'd go to heaven? I say to you, you put it off way too long if that's so. 
And the Holy Spirit right now is telling you, you ought to get up and go down there and you ought to get saved. You ought to quit playing this spiritual game, quit playing church, and really, truly be saved. And then for all of you that are saved here this morning, and you know, you know, you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior, then I say to you, we need to get involved in sending this preacher around the world so he can preach that exact message to other people so they can be saved. I've seen it work in all countries that I've been in. I've got up and preached similar messages to the one I'm preaching this morning, and hundreds and hundreds of people have received Christ as their Savior just because they believed the message and the believing caused them to cry out and ask Jesus to save them. Heavenly Father, would you speak to our hearts this morning? We so need to hear from heaven. Lord, I didn't come here just to have another church service. We come to ask you to speak to our hearts, every heart in this room. I pray, Heavenly Father, for those that are not saved right now, the Holy Spirit of God would speak to their heart and tell them they need to come forward and quit playing religious games and quit acting like they have something that they don't have. They know they're not saved, and I pray that they'd come this morning and receive Christ as their Savior. And then for all of these that do know Christ, they are saved, they know they're saved, I pray you'd help them understand the great importance of getting this message around the world. That every person in the whole world needs to hear this. Every person ought to have a chance to hear what I've said here this morning. Every person ought to have an opportunity to choose whether they want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or not. Everybody uh, ought to be able to hear it. But if they've never heard it, Lord, they've never had a chance to choose. So God, help us understand the importance of doing that. And you'd speak to our hearts about how you'd want us to get involved in sending out these preachers. I know Brother Park would rather be in Korea this morning starting a new church. But he's out on deputation encouraging churches like this to get involved in missions so he can go. And he can represent them on the field of Korea. What a, what a great opportunity to get involved in sending a preacher. I'm so glad our brother to the Philippines is here, Brother Denisi. He's going to go and preach the gospel in the Philippines. What a great opportunity for this church to get involved in sending a preacher. Lord, we're not sending uh, something else. We're sending a preacher. And he's going to go preach what has been said here this morning. God, would you help us? Would you help us see the need around the world? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to have an invitation. And simply put, we just give you a chance to respond to what's been preached.